He has been telling them and preparing them. They do not realize what He means when He is preparing them for His death. And in the midst of the supper, He gets up. And He tells them that this is the last time that He's going to have celebrate the Passover with him and have this meal and he institutes what we call the Lord's Supper. He takes the bread and he gives it to them and he tells them this bread represents his body which is broken for them. Do this in remembrance of me. He then takes the cup and gives them wine and they drink And he says, this cup is the New Testament or the New Covenant in my blood. Do this in remembrance of me. We've been studying worship. And I can't imagine, had I known, going to a supper, that men, the men there, one of them was a betrayer and was going to betray me, which would lead to my death, I don't know how I would react, to be honest. But this shows the Lord Jesus Christ. He is the hero of every story. We like to make all these stories about us, the Bible stories. We like to talk about David and Goliath, and David is a... The the Goliath is the devil and David represents us. No, David represents Jesus. You don't kill the giant. Jesus does. Even when it comes to the Lord's table, we forget that it's about the Lord Jesus Christ. I've thought about this and thought about this and thought about this and Thinking about this, why would Jesus instruct us to remember His death day? I'll tell you why. Because Jesus knew that we would forget. That we would get busy with life. We would get busy with our own affairs. And we would forget that He is the hero. We would forget that all of Christianity is about Jesus. Every song that we sing, every lesson that we teach... Every prayer that we pray, it's all because of Jesus. And I would say three things of why we should, we should worship Him by communion or the Lord's Supper. I would say, first of all, this was His idea. Jesus is the one that said, do this in remembrance of me. Do this in remembrance of me. The second reason I would say is the Lord's Supper is worship. It's a time that we remove ourselves from the cares of the world, the problems, the difficulties, the good things, and we focus upon Lord. Guys, please don't get upset with me. But even many a times in our testimony, our testimonies are about us and not about Christ. And worship, A.W. Tozer said, worship is the missing jewel in the church. We don't need less worship, we need more worship. During the COVID, one of the things 
I came to miss. At first, I wasn't paying attention, but one of the things I came to miss the most was the Lord's Supper. I began to miss that, as did you, because when we first started to come back, some of you asked me, when were we going to be able to take the Lord's Supper again? Why? Because the Lord's Supper is worship. And then the Lord's Supper is a call to remembrance. It's a memorial. It's interesting that he tells us that as often as we do this later, we'll read this in Corinthians, as often as we do it, we do it in remembrance of Him. Now, if I may, just for a moment, in 1 Corinthians chapter 11, I want to look at this before we have the Lord's Supper, because the Lord's Supper is very much worship. And it's actually not only Jesus, but Paul teaching us how we can worship. We were created, Revelation teaches, we were created for worship. I know in Baptist churches we hammer on service and we hammer on tithing, we hammer on all these things, and we rarely hammer on worship. I will tell you this. You can do all of those things physically and be spiritually dead, drying up, needing, needing fellowship with God. It's easy to fake. We know all the terms We can trick people into thinking that we're Christians and we can act and speak Christianese. We can do all those things. But listen, you cannot fake genuine worship because only God knows if you're genuinely worshiping or not. I remember one time I was following this little car, this little Kia thing. Looks like a toaster oven. And there was a, it was bouncing. I thought, what in the world is going on in that car? They need shocks or struts or something. And the car's bouncing like this. And I get up to the traffic light, and my wife says that my face tells my thoughts. And I'm like looking, and inside was this grown woman, and she was dancing while she was driving. Now, I'm assuming that she was worshiping the Lord. I don't know. But she was raising her hands and she was, and the whole car was bouncing and she was oblivious, could care less who was around her. She was lost in that. Even when it comes to the Lord's Supper, many a time we're still thinking about us. In 1 Corinthians chapter 11, we have Paul addressing the church. In verse 17 he says, Now in giving these instructions, I do not praise you, since you come together not for the better, but for the worse. First of all, when you come together as a church, I hear that there are divisions among you, and in part I believe it. One of the first hindrances to genuinely worshiping, and this is around the Lord's table, is that a division. Now, please hear me out. Division is not a good thing in the church. God does not want His church to be divided. And unfortunately, we are not divided as a church many a times over 
little things or, or excuse me, over big things, over doctrine things or, or, you know, things like that. It's always little things. It's always little things that are insignificant, little things that don't mean anything. And so Paul writes and says, listen, you, you, you're divided. You come into the church and some of you say, I like Paul and I like Apollos. I follow this guy. I follow that guy. And you're divided and the division keeps us from worshiping the Lord. Why should we come together? Obviously, we should come together for the Lord. What you care about my favorite sports program does not matter in the grand scheme of things. What matters is that you and I fellowship around the cross. Jesus is the uniting factor. He says another hindrance to the church is this. Look in verse 19. For there must also be factions among you that those who are approved may be recognized among you. Verse 20. Therefore, when you come together in one place, it is not to eat the Lord's Supper. One of the other problems is coming together with no thoughts of Jesus or His sacrifice. If you know anything about the book of of Corinthians and you know to what Paul is addressing, they would have these love feasts in which they would eat before they partook of the Lord's Supper. They did have wine, real wine. Because some of the people had come together and they were eating and drinking and they were getting drunk and they were becoming gluttonous. They were there more for the food and they would get there early so they could get in front of everybody and eat before others so they could get what they wanted. Sounds like Baptist church. Minus the wine. Uh, But they came together for themselves and for their flesh, and not for the purpose of worshiping the Lord. And church, we're we're not better because of it. I know there are certain things I like to do. When I was going to the Trout Derby, I got up at 3.30 in the morning... To make sure I had all my lures, I had my boat hooked up when I had a boat at that time, I had my fishing rods prepared, I got up, got myself ready, I was prepared, mentally gave myself a pep talk, I went to Minford, stopped at the quick stop, got breakfast, and I was the first one in line to get through the gate when they opened the gate, so I could be the first boat in. What was I doing? I was preparing myself for the event that was about to happen. How often do we prepare ourselves Sunday morning for worship of the Almighty God? 30 more minutes of sleep. We get up. i got to have my coffee. Don't talk to me. You get behind someone. You're running late. And you're behind someone and you're, get out of the way. How dare you drive the speed limit? It's Sunday. We're going to church. I don't you know. And you come into church and someone says, well, what in the world happened to your hair? You can't believe what somebody said to me. And we're no more concerned with Jesus Christ and worship of the Almighty.
God than anything. We do what we want to do. And Paul says, listen, he is rep- he's reprimanding them. When you come together in one place, when you gather together, it's not for the purpose of, of the Lord's Supper. It's not for the purpose of worshiping the Almighty God. You're coming, even in your coming to the church, it's because of your flesh and what you want and what you desire. And he says, I praise you not for that. Thirdly, judging others. I had a pastor tell his congregation one time that he would decide who took the communion because he knew whether they were worthy or not. To which I respond, who in the world do you think you are? (laughs) The Bible says, let every man examine himself. It's not on me, it's on you. And for someone to be so presumptuous to think that they are the Almighty, that they can determine who should take it or not. And we sit in there and say, well, you know what so-and-so did? You want to post on Facebook? How in the world are they going to take communion after doing that? I'll tell you what, church. Charles Spurgeon said, when someone, and this is, I might be a little off on it, but to get the jest. He said, when, don't be surprised or offended when someone says something bad about you because you are far worse than what they said and what they know. Hence, that's why we need the cross. The cross. And then lastly, coming thinking you deserve it. How? 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 Braggadocious, egotistical. For someone to come into the house of God thinking that they deserve to get their way in the church. Thinking that because of how good they are, they deserve to take the Lord's Supper. You know who gave Jesus the most difficulties? Pharisees. The religious crowd that thought they were something. I tithe and I do all these great works. And the other fellow beat on his chest and said, God have mercy on me, a sinner. Jesus said, who do you think went away justified? You know the answer. And I know the answer. Folks, what I just described to you is what I think it means to take the Lord's Supper in an unworthy manner. Studying the Scripture. When you come with the vision when you come with no thought of Jesus or His sacrifice, when you come judging others in your heart, and you come thinking you deserve it, that is what He lays out here. It's an unworthy manner, unworthily manner. So how should we partake of the Lord's Supper? Well, let me just say, verse 22, Jesus says this. We'll go back to verse 21, I didn't finish that. For in eating, each one takes his own supper ahead of others. And one is hungry and another is drunk. What? Do you not have houses to eat and drink in? Or do you despise the church of God and shame those who have nothing? What shall I say to you? Shall I praise you in this? I do not praise you. For I received from the Lord. Now it's interesting, church. What is interesting about this? What's interesting about this is Paul was not with 
the disciples, the original twelve, when Jesus gave this to them. So Jesus gave this to Paul at another time and he is writing just as what the Lord said. And he says this, For I received from the Lord that which also I deliver to you, that the Lord Jesus on the same night in which he was betrayed took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, Take, eat, this is my body which is broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same manner also he took the cup after supper saying, This cup is the new covenant, the new testament in my blood. This do as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death till He comes. How do we take the Lord's Supper? Number one, we come with Jesus Christ and what He did on the cross of Calvary in mind. The whole point of taking the Lord's Supper is that we come together and we stop thinking about everything out there and we think about Jesus and what He did on the cross of Calvary. Church, we don't need less preaching on the cross. We need more preaching on the cross. Jesus said, if I be lifted up, I will draw all men unto myself. The reason we're not doing this in our churches is because we're teaching and preaching a bunch of prosperity. We're teaching and preaching a bunch of rules and regulations. And we're not preaching the cross. Can you believe Billy Graham standing up in front of thousands to preach and not one person responding to the invitation? We find that hard to believe. It happened to Billy Graham. And afterwards, he was lamenting and there was this little short German old man of a preacher that came to him and his, his accented voice and he said, Billy, Billy, you didn't preach the cross. It's the cross, Billy. Billy tells that story in his autobiography. When I read it, it impacted me. It is the cross of Calvary. The only reason you and I are here is because Jesus died on the cross. The only reason you and I have the hope of eternal life is because Jesus died on the cross. Not your ability to be good. I can't be good. You can't be good. There are none righteous. No, not one. It's the cross. And when we come together, we realize that it is with Jesus and His death on the cross that is what gives us permission to partake of the Lord's Supper. Now, I will say the other side of that is, too. When you don't take the Lord's Supper, you're not remembering what He did on the cross of Calvary. I had someone tell me one time, well, preacher, you know, I lied this week and I shouldn't have done it, but I can't take the Lord's Supper. Oh, foolishness. Confess that sin, repent of it, and move on. Quit dwelling in it. Good gracious. If we confess our sins, He's faithful to forgive us and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Let it go, put it under the cross, and move on and get to worshiping the Lord Jesus Christ. The second thing the Scripture tells us, verse 27, Therefore, whoever eats this bread or drinks this cup of the Lord in an unworthily manner will be guilty of the body and blood of the Lord. Mm. What is that? Oh, I'll tell you this. It's thinking you deserve it. 
You say, well, preacher, is it because I've sinned? No, everyone sins. That's the point of coming back to the cross. That's the point of the remembrance. We're reminded by our sin that we need the cross of Calvary. But if you come in here thinking that you are Joe Christian, and poor Joe's not here, but you come here thinking that you're the Christian of Christians and everybody ought to be like you and everybody ought to think like you think and act like you think and you are the one and you deserve to take the Lord's Supper, you don't deserve it. It's humility. We come in humility. That's what the cross of Calvary does. It brings us to a place of humility. Why? Because we understand that I can't get to heaven. It's because of Jesus. It's only when we see Him in all of His perfection and His holiness and His love and His majesty and that He was willing to go to the cross and die for my sins. It's only in that do we understand that I can take the Lord's Supper because of what Jesus did for me. The battle is over. It is finished. The victory's won. It is. Enough with self-righteous behavior. Come humbly. Come in humility. Verse 29. For he who eats and drinks in an unworthy manner eats and drinks judgment to himself, not discerning the Lord's body. For this reason many are weak and sick among you and many sleep. For if we judge ourselves, we would not be judged. But when we are judged, we are chastened by the Lord that we may not be condemned with the world. This matter of humility. Jesus said, listen, or Paul said, excuse me, listen. He said this, he says, let every man examine himself. It's a time of reflection. What do I see when I examine myself? I see my great need for a Savior. Interesting. Eugene had no idea what I was going to preach on. And all the songs were about the cross. And he ended with, I need a Savior. And so do you. Every one of us. We need a Savior. When we come and we take that cup, and I know it's crinkly, and I know it's hard to open, and I know it sounds funny when we're trying to open it. But listen, don't worry about any of that. If you're so fixated on Christ, none of that will bother you. What it will be, it will be a blessing, man. I get to take the Lord's Supper because Jesus died on the cross for me. I get to partake of the Lord's Supper. I get to stop from mundane issues of life and I get to dwell on the wonderful grace of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ and how He died for me and He paid for my sins on the cross of Calvary. I'm going to partake of the Lord's Supper and I'm going to praise Him. Then he goes on to say this. Verse 33, Therefore, my brethren, when you come together to eat, wait for one another. Harmony. Harmony. I don't know anything about music. I know what sounds good in my mind and what doesn't sound good. But there are parts... In music. People sing at different levels and different tones. And when they get all parts, and each one doing his own part or her own part, but they get it to blend together, it is what we call harmonious. It's in harmony and it's a beautiful 
beautiful sound. I was talking to my dear brother Mark here, and he said, hey, I got a jacket just like that. And I said, we need to wear them on the same Sunday. He said, we'll get up and wear them and sing. I said, no. <laughs> that would not be harmony. That would be, thank you, thank you. That would, that would, we're trying to get people to come to church, not leave. So we might wear the same jacket on the same day, but we ain't singing in hallelujah. Y'all can say amen right there. But let me just say this, in all sincerity, listen, guys, whether you know it or not, we're connected. We are one in the body of Christ. As a matter of fact, um, in just one, one chapter over verse of. Uh, uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 10 and verse 16 says, The cup of blessing which we bless, is it not the communion of the blood of Christ? The bread which we break, is it not the communion of the body of Christ? It's one cup. It's one bread. It's one body. And you and I are many members, but we're connected. And when we come together, the purpose of worshiping, and there's harmony, it is a beautiful Sight, sound to our Savior. When we come together and we partake of the Lord's Supper, and we come doing with our minds fixated on Jesus, and we're humbly, we're in a humble state of mind, knowing that we do not deserve to take it. The only reason we're taking it is because Jesus died for us and has given us permission to take it. And we come together. We come together with that one purpose of glorifying our Savior and remembering what He did on the cross of Calvary. That is amazing. Somewhere in my home, I have a file. I know exactly where it's at. And from time to time, I dig in that file and I get out a letter. In that letter is a letter from the people of donation, organ donation. In that letter, it states that there was a 54-year-old woman in Kentucky, Lexington, Kentucky, who received my mother's heart after she passed away. Whenever I pull that letter out, I think of her. Whenever we grab this cup and this bread, we think of our Savior, Jesus Christ, and what He did on the cross of Calvary. Because I'm telling you, church, Everyone in this room is going to die. And some of us are closer than others. And let me just be reminded by the funeral yesterday that it knows no age. There are no guarantees on life. And I will tell you this. If you know Jesus as your personal Savior, you have nothing to worry about.
And I will tell you this, if you know Jesus as your personal Savior, you have reason to worship. He's everything. You don't know all the things that God has done in your life. You don't know the near misses that He saved you from being destroyed, being run over. You have no idea. I have no idea. But I will tell you this. You and I know of the cross of Calvary. And the cross of Calvary is a place where we can take our minds and our hearts back to and we can remember what Jesus did for us on that cross. Would you bow with me for prayer?